1: Mula po sa Quezon City, ako po si Robby It is important that a national epidemic be declared in this area to identify where a localized response is needed. The dengue outbreak is officially a national epidemic. The Department of Health says the number of dengue cases have increased by almost 100%. Last week, the Senate Committee on Health and Demography summoned DOH officials and asked them for an update.
0: Currently, uh, we have around 146,000 cases with 622 deaths. And uh, there are around uh, seven regions now reaching that epidemic threshold. And about uh, 14 out of 17 regions now have reached that number of cases higher than the number of cases last year.
1: That was Health Assistant Secretary Maria Rosario Vergere backdropping the crisis is the Dengvaxia vaccine scare of 2017. At that time, the DOH stopped the use of Dengvaxia due to unexpected side effects that its own manufacturer acknowledged. Several children died after having been vaccinated, but experts stressed there was no proof that Dengvaxia actually caused those deaths. Nonetheless, those deaths were widely reported causing mistrust in vaccines in general. The question now remains, is Dengvaxia safe? For persons who have had dengue in the past, yes. Those who have not had dengue should not take the vaccine. That's according to the World Health Organization's 2018 position on Dengvaxia. In the coming weeks, health officials will decide on whether or not to reintroduce the dengue vaccine. For now, however, the department is saying that is not necessarily the priority. The DOH says there are wiser and proven methods to address the outbreak and to control the spread of dengue.
0: We have 4S. Uh, that is the main strategy of our dengue program. 4S is, first, you search and destroy breeding sites of mosquitoes. The second would be self-protection. So you protect yourself by wearing long sleeves and long pants and putting on insect repellents. The third is seeking early consultation.
1: Assistant Secretary Verhere again
0: una palang na senyales na may ganitong sakit o naglalaglat pa lang ang bata pumunta na sa pinakamalapit na health facility and the last is we support uh fogging operations if there is an impending outbreak yung power
1: ng OSG uh, in criminal cases is limited don sa appeals no and mawawala yung independence ng opisina na yon kung sa level pa lang na imbestigasyon ay nakikialam na sila That was lawyer Florin Hilbay in a clip aired on government-run PTV. Hilbay was the Solicitor General during the term of then-President Noinoy Aquino. He is questioning the involvement of the current Solgen's office in a preliminary investigation into the sedition case against Vice President Lenny Robredo, Catholic officials, and other opposition leaders. The case has to do with the Real Narcolist Videos, which accused the Duterte family of having ties to illegal drugs. One of the respondents, Peter Bicoy-Advincula, had earlier gone public saying he was involved in creating the videos. He claimed these were part of a plan by the opposition to oust the president and install Robredo in his stead. The OSG had confirmed that it assisted the national police in filing the complaint. But Hilbay says the OSG should not intervene in preliminary investigations. According to Section 35 of the Administrative Code, the OSG shall have specific powers and functions, the first among them is, quote, to represent the government in the Supreme Court and the Court of Appeals in all criminal proceedings, end quote. Respondents believe that the OSG's involvement in the case against Vice President Lenny Robredo will create conflict of interest when the case reaches the appellate stage. But the current OSG also cites Administrative Code Section 35 with a more general interpretation. As the chief legal defender of government, the OSG can represent the PNP, for example, in, quote, any litigation, proceeding, investigation, or matter requiring the services of a lawyer. Last week, the Department of Justice ordered the PNP To reproduce evidence for all 38 respondents, here is Senior Assistant State Prosecutor Olivia Torrevillas.
0: It appears from the record that you only submitted one USB. So you are directed to reproduce (coughs) and uh, give the 38 respondents either CD or USB containing the video footages. The members of the committee share with the nation a collective grief brought about by the deadly incident in Mamasapano that claimed the lives of 44 members of the Special Action Force of the PNP and our Muslim brothers.
1: That was Senator Grace Poe and she said this back in 2015 during a hearing into the botched police operation in Mamasapano, Magindanao. It has been four years since more than 60 people were killed primarily 44 men from the Police Special Action Force. Last week, the Supreme Court lifted a temporary restraining order on the Mamasapano trial before the Sandigan Bayan. Former President Aquino, together with ex-PNP Chief Alan Purisima and ex-PNP Staff Director Hitulio Napenas Jr., faced charges of graft and usurpation of authority. But why was there a TRO in the first place? Former Ombudsman Conchita Carpio Morales had filed the case against Aquino in 2017. But the Volunteers Against Crime and Corruption had said the charges were weak and had instead sought charges of reckless imprudence resulting to multiple homicide. In February 2018, the Supreme Court issued the TRO. Now let's recall what brought the PNP SAF to Mama Sapano. Here is then President Aquino back in the immediate aftermath of the event. Ang kalanglison ipatupad ang mga outstanding warrants of arrest sa dalawang notorious na terroristang matagal nang pinagahanap ng mga autoridad. Those two high-profile terrorists were Abdul Basit Usman and Zulkifli Abdir, also known as Marwan. Usman escaped. Marwan was killed in the operation. But the SAF forces found themselves exchanging gunfire with MILF groups. That clearly did not go according to plan or according even to what was anticipated. According to reports, the PNP failed to promptly coordinate with local authorities overseeing the ceasefire agreement. Moreover, then-President Noino Aquino was taken to task after he admitted that he had allowed then-PNP Chief Alan Purisima to take part and to plan out and to even help in executing the controversial Mama Sapano operation, notwithstanding the fact that at that point, Purisima was supposed to have been suspended.
0: We humans affect more than 70% of ice-free land. A quarter of this land is degraded. The way we produce food and what we eat contributes to the loss of natural ecosystems and declining biodiversity.
1: Land use plays a critical part in addressing climate change. That's according to a new report from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Here's a clip from a recent presentation.
0: When land is degraded, it reduces the soil's ability to take up carbon, and this exacerbates climate change. In turn, climate change exacerbates land degradation in many different ways.
1: The IPCC says agriculture and other types of land use constitute almost a quarter of greenhouse gas emissions. But better land management is not the only solution.
0: Reducing greenhouse gas emissions from all sectors is essential if we want to keep below 2 degrees Celsius. There are, however, limits to the scale of energy crops and afforestation that could be used to achieve this goal. It also takes time for trees and soils to store carbon effectively. Land is under growing human pressure. Land is part of the solution, but land cannot do it all.
1: When asked what role government should be playing in light of the special report's findings, the IPCC panel had this to say.
0: Filling in knowledge gaps, early warning systems, etc. We flag out the consequences of not taking action or deferring action on greenhouse gas emission reduction. So it talks to governments about where they put funds and the decisions they take about that. But it also sends a very important signal to governments that they've agreed on a sustainable development framework currently anchored in the SDGs. And that becomes increasingly out of reach. If we don't act ambitiously on land.
1: You can read more about the special report on the IPCC's website. That's ipcc.ch. ipcc.ch.
0: The Philippines is one of the most biodiverse countries in the world.
1: That's from a video of the UN Development Program Philippines. With climate change, preserving biodiversity becomes even more urgent. Everybody has to take part in finding solutions, including indigenous people, especially since they live in direct contact with the natural environment. Which is precisely why the Philippines has carved out what is called the Indigenous Community Conserved Areas. Wide areas of forest and marine ecosystems have been identified along with indigenous communities who work with government to preserve biodiversity. Here's the clip from the UNDP again.
0: Indigenous Community Conserved Territories and Areas, or ICCA, is an area within ancestral domains or lands that is identified, protected, conserved, and sustainably used by Indigenous cultural communities and Indigenous peoples, pursuant to their Indigenous knowledge systems and practices, and in accordance with customary laws and other effective means since time immemorial.
1: The project is a collaboration between UNDP and the DENR Biodiversity Management Bureau. Last April, the project was awarded the Development Aid of the Year Award for Biodiversity. Since its launch in 2016, the project has protected more than 150,000 hectares. 50,000 indigenous people have also benefited from environmentally safe livelihoods. Government officials want more police presence and visibility in schools. That's following allegations by Interior Secretary Eduardo Año and Senator Bato De La Rosa that student organizations have been infiltrated by communist terrorist groups. De La Rosa, the chair of the Senate Committee on Public Order and former chief of the Philippine National Police, alleges that schools use academic freedom to supposedly let communists recruit students while keeping the military and the police off the premises. Meanwhile, Año says the Department of Interior and local government plans to review the rules that ban military presence in schools. These agreements were set in place from 1989 to 1992, aiming to prevent the recurrence of abuses in schools as were rampant during martial law at the time of President Ferdinand Marcos. Anya says increased police visibility will deter recruitment and indoctrination by leftist groups. He says these groups are connected to communist terrorist groups who in turn plan to overthrow the national government. The DILG is acting as a member of the task force to end local communist armed conflict. This is under the office of the president. Additionally, I have to take the helm of the National Task Force to end local communist armed conflict and have assigned a cabinet member to each region to harmonize government efforts in attaining national development security. President Rodrigo Duterte allowed the creation of the task force in Executive Order 70 signed last December. The task force will set the mechanics of the administration's whole-of-nation approach, which is to address the root causes of poverty and insurgencies.
0: I was, uh, I've been in the United States since six months old, you know, and, and just two and a half weeks ago, a uh, immigration agent informed me over and I'm going to Iraq,
1: and I, 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 I refused, I said I've never been there, I've been in this country my whole life, and
0: they refused to listen to me.
1: That was from a clip shared on Twitter by Michigan Representative Mary Manugian. The man in the video was Jimmy Al-Dawood, a diabetic. He died for lack of access to insulin after having been deported from Detroit, Michigan to Iraq. The unfortunate incident comes amid U.S. President Donald Trump's tightening of immigration policies in the United States. Al-Dawood was born in Greece after his family moved out of Iraq. They eventually transferred to the U.S. in 1979. Aside from having diabetes, he had other health problems, including schizophrenia. He had gotten into trouble with authorities for several offenses. For immigration and customs enforcement officials, he was a repeat offender and, quote, had no legal basis to remain in the United States, unquote. But Iraq was the last place Jimmy could have hoped to spend his last few days. In the video, he repeatedly said he had never seen the country nor even speaks the language. It is likely that al-Dawud's tragic story will not be the last. Immigrants seeking green cards in the U.S. now need to comply with stricter standards, the new criteria for inadmissibility on public charge grounds was introduced just last week. It effectively targets low income immigrants who avail of public benefits. That includes services like Medicaid, food stamps, and housing assistance. Immigrants to the U.S. would need to prove that they pose no burden on taxpayer money, or else, like Al Dawood, they face higher risk of deportation. The new rules are set to take effect on October 15. Here's acting director of U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, Ken Cuccinelli, in a press conference earlier this week. Congress has never defined the term public charge in the law, and that term hadn't been clearly defined by regulation. Well, that is what changes today with this rule. Through the public charge rule, President Trump's administration is reinforcing the ideals of self-sufficiency and personal responsibility. Ensuring that immigrants are able to support themselves and become successful here in America. At po ang PUMA Podcast. Check out our other shows. We have just released new episodes for Conversations with Randy David. You can also check our latest Playlist ng Buhay ko episode we sat down with businessman Manny V. Pangilinan or MVP to most Filipinos to talk about the songs that influenced his life. To find these episodes, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast. Ito po ang Puma podcast. Maraming salamat po.